Hey, Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. I want to talk to you about what it means to be human. When you think of that term, um, human, 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 <laughs> what's wrong with me? When you think of that word human, what comes to mind? Uh, think of some things that you say about being human. People say things like, well, it's only human. And when you say that, usually you're referring to some kind of like anxiety or some kind of frustrating experience or some kind of failure, right? Um, it's only human to make mistakes. Um, think about some of the other things that we um, relate to the human experience. Usually it has to do with difficulty, suffering, um, frustration, failure. Um, when we think of human, uh, we usually are thinking of weakness. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong because humanity is riddled with weaknesses and humanity is full of a history of people making poor decisions and humanity is full of a history of um, people falling short of their own standards. And so, um, yeah, weakness, sin, brokenness, failure, um, these are all things we associate with being human. And in the passage we're going to look at, we're going to see that I believe Jesus breaks that definition. Um, Jesus is, don't get me wrong, he is fully human. But Jesus demonstrates to us what it looks like to be truly human. I think you could make the case, and I think some theologians have, that Jesus is the one true human the one human being who finally got being human right. He demonstrates for us perfect humanity, humanity as it was intended to be, humanity, humanity living out the fullness of its design. So let me show you this in Romans 5 really quick, and um, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. So this is Romans 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is the type of the one coming, the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have, have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? <coughs> and the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one man's sin came judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. Since by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one, the one man's disobedience, or so, so through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass. Where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul's comparing jesus to adam and he's saying jesus is the new adam the one true adam the one true human being and he's saying sin entered the world through this one man 
But since through one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, verse 17, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Um, a few things there that we that I want to unpack. Um, and by the way, I'm just not, I'm not going to be able to go, and I'm, I'm not intending to go through every verse of Romans 5. This is an important and heavy passage, and there's a lot going on. But what I want to point out is that God's design for humanity was always a, a royal design. He intended us to be dignitaries. He intended us to be um, reflectors of his glory. In the ancient world, there were only... Um, there, there, it was very rare for people to be referred to as bearing the image of, of the god or gods. And and it was a kingly image. Kings were considered to be the only people who bore the image of God because they were representatives of God on earth. That's how most ancient cultures outside Judaism viewed humanity, or viewed, sorry, viewed kings. Only kings were the ones that bore the image of God. They reflected the glory of God in a way that nobody else did. But here in the Bible, we see that all human beings bear God's image. That we're all dignitaries, that we're all royal ambassadors of the king, that we all reflect, by nature being human, reflect God's glory. And so here Paul is making clear that that, that royal uh, lineage is something that God restores in Jesus Christ, right? Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Your future, if you're a follower of Jesus, is a kingly future, one of reigning and ruling with Jesus. This is the cool thing about Jesus, is he shares his throne. He shares his authority with his people. That's how much he loves us. He's willing to share. He's willing to, to, to share the task of reigning and ruling. So then, as through the one man's trespass, there's condemnation for everyone. So through also through one righteous act, there's justification leading to life. For everyone. Um, so Jesus's sacrifice, his death and resurrection makes life possible. The law came along, verse 20, to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the cool thing about Jesus. He establishes his kingdom and asserts his rulership through self-sacrifice. Not by putting his enemies in his place, not by taking people like us who rebelled against him and, and showing us how messed up we are and how much we don't deserve him, but no, by giving himself up for us so that we might have life. Jesus dies for his enemies. That's how he establishes his kingdom. That's how he asserts his authority. It's really beautiful. Nobody in our culture asserts their authority this way. Nobody establishes kingdom this way. Nobody, um, like in power, does this. When you're in power in our culture, what do you do? You amass more power, or you hold on to that power as long as possible. You cling to it. You fight for it. You, um, in our culture, right? You are willing to backstab people to keep that power. Um, and sometimes you'll backstab other people to get more power. Like, that's the world we live in. And Jesus is breaking that cycle through his life, death, and resurrection. He's making a new way to be human. Jesus shows us what being human really was intended to be. 
It was intended to be one where you bring healing to the people around you, where you love the people around you, where you forgive the people around you, where you say things like, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, right? And it's one where you say, let the little children come to me. And it's the ones where you say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the kind of king Jesus is. The kind of king who says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To the very people who are seeing to his execution. And turns to the thief on the cross and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Always, constantly offering hope. Always, constantly uh, being a source of, of, of goodness and love and kindness to the people around him. Always making things better. Always making things new. That's the kind of advice, uh, life that you and I are invited to as well. To embrace that posture that we would step into relationships thinking, I can make this better, if only by being a source of kindness and love and concern and care. One that says, um, that brings the love of Jesus to our relationships, to our friendships, to our everyday encounters. Are you bringing the love of Jesus to your everyday encounters? Are you embodying the love of Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus as the blueprint of what it means to be human? Because he absolutely is. And he'll show you a new way. A new, beautiful, humble, powerful love. And it's the way. Follow him. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.